Well, good morning. My name is Chris Corbin, and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor at Ritson Road Alliance Church, and I'm so glad that you have joined with us this morning. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series entitled, Who Are You?, as we explore our identity in Christ. And it is my greatest privilege to invite Curtis Peters to come and share with us this morning. Dear Ritson Road Alliance, it's my joy to be with you today in this virtual way. It's been a blessing for my family and I to call Ritson Road our home church over this past year. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you today as we continue our series about who we are in Christ. Pastor Chris has been talking these last couple of weeks about how the two most important things for us as followers of Christ to be clear about are, are what we believe and experience about who God is and also about who we are. What we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves and, and how we experience those things will impact every aspect of our lives. And that's why we're doing this series on our identity in Christ, who we are as followers of Jesus. Now, we often talk about what we believe about God, but not as often about what we believe about ourselves and how that makes an experiential difference in our lives. So I'm grateful that Pastor Chris has been leading us through this series, and I'll try not to say anything today that he wouldn't say. Well, today would have been my dad's 68th birthday. Unfortunately, he passed away 17 years ago last week. At the time, he had the same job that I have now, just in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. He was the district superintendent for the Alliance Church. So I wish I had him here so I could ask him all kinds of questions about this new role that I have, that he used to have as well. But one thing I am forever grateful for that continues to have a profound impact on my life each day, was how my dad models for me what it means to be a good father. Unlike so many, my identity as a dearly loved son was rooted in my soul from the very earliest days of my life. My dad wasn't always happy with me. and Certainly, he often had to discipline me, as all good fathers do. But he always had time for me whether that was helping me with my paper route at 6 o'clock in the morning, playing tennis with me, taking me for a Slurpee. He always made me feel loved. And that love formed the foundation for understanding my identity as a dearly loved son of my heavenly Father. And understanding that is the absolute most important thing to know about our identity in Christ. We are loved. We are family, adopted through faith in Christ into the full inheritance that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Paul put it this way in these astonishing words from sorry, Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with us that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We are co-heirs with Christ. That means that his inheritance is our inheritance. The quizzers could tell us from Hebrews chapter 2, if they still remember what they learned eight months ago, 
that this means that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And he's not ashamed to call us that. He's not like that cool older brother, you know, with his big kid friends who doesn't want to be seen with his little brothers. No, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. He is so happy that we are part of his family, which truly is astonishing. All he asks of us is that we will be willing to share in his sufferings, as we saw in Romans 8, so that we can also share in his glory of being co-heirs with him. To me, that helps put a bit in perspective the challenges we are facing with COVID-19. I was struck the other day as I was praying that Jesus voluntarily quarantined himself in a human body. <laughs> he voluntarily let the, his enemies quarantine him to a cross. I mean, what is quarantine? It's restricting our movements to a confined space. It's a loss of our freedoms for the sake of a greater good. Talk about a good analogy for what Jesus did for us. He was used to having total freedom of movement throughout the galaxies. He had full reign and rule of heaven. So if you feel like you've lost a lot of freedoms through this pandemic, think about Jesus and all he gave up for us. And the amazing thing is that it wasn't because he had to, but because he wanted you to be his brother or sister a son or daughter with him of our incredible father. In a sense, our current struggle with COVID-19 helps us identify with the sufferings of Christ, to perhaps identify a little bit more with just how great his sacrifice was on our behalf. We don't do it voluntarily like he did. We are forced into this. But Jesus, out of his immense love for us, quarantined himself to earth for us. Friends, we are children of God because Jesus loved us enough to give up his freedom so that we could be co-heirs with him of the love of his Father. I pray that you would experience the magnitude of that truth today. Well, that was a bonus. You know, I'm not even going to charge you for that introduction because it's not actually the main thing I wanted to say to you today. Uh, I actually just wanted, uh, I just actually can't talk about our identity in Christ without at least at some point mentioning uh, the fact that we are dearly loved children of God. But the main thing I wanted to talk to you about today is the fact that Jesus also calls us his friends. Now, just so you know, I, I won't charge you for this part either. You can breathe a sigh of relief, you know, I mean, because that's just not what friends do, right? I mean, they do stuff for each other for free, which is actually what Jesus wants our friendship with him to be like as well. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says these startling words to his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. In other words, our relationship is no longer contractual. You don't just do things for me or me for you because we have to 
order in order to get something from each other. Now we serve each other because we want to. Makes me think of the story that Ralph Willison shared at Dr. Arnold Cook's funeral, uh, the former president of our Alliance denomination. The two of them were good friends. And so one day when Dr. Cook's car broke down, he came over knocking on Ralph's door and asked to borrow his car so that he could take his daughter to the hockey game. Now, Ralph said that if he had known how much Dr. Cook drove like he was still in Latin America, he may not have said yes, despite the strength of their friendship. But alas, he didn't know that, and so he did say yes. But why? Not because he had to, not because it was a contractual obligation or to get some kind of favor in return. Although I guess we could ask Ralph if he got any special presidential privileges because of that. No, he did it because they were friends. And that's what friends do. They serve one another willingly because they care. The same is what Jesus wants for us as well. He doesn't just want us to be his servants, you know, dutifully going to church or watching church. He wants us to be his friends. Which doesn't mean that we don't serve him, of course. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't honor him with our presence at church or church online uh, or any other number of ways that we show our love for him, whether that's giving or praying, resisting sin or whatever else. Those are all important things. But the reason we do them is not because we have to as servants, but because we want to as an expression of friendship. Now, it's interesting to look in John chapter 15, verse 14, uh, right before the verse we just looked at. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And a couple of verses before that, he says in verse 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, at first glance, this might look a bit more like a master-servant relationship. I mean, we need to do what Jesus commands. But again, right after that, Jesus says that he no longer calls us his servants, but rather his friends. Right? So, so how do we reconcile these two ideas? Well, it's important to remember that we are called to follow Jesus not just as a friend, but also as our Lord. We need to remember that he does have full authority over our lives and has every right to ask us for anything he wants. So the fact that we have an identity as Jesus' friends does not take away from the fact that we are also absolutely under his lordship. It's actually the starting point for friendship. We need to choose to make Jesus our Lord. It's like Jesus said earlier in the chapter, He's the vine and we are the branches. And if we want to bear fruit, we need to remain in him. We just can't have a fruit-bearing relationship with Jesus if we aren't radically committed to following him as our Lord. It's just not going to work. Choosing to follow him wholeheartedly is the absolute starting point for the friendship. But once we're in, you know, once we've chosen to follow Jesus, to follow him no matter what, he quickly invites us into friendship. And it's in the context of friendship that we learn that what Jesus is really all about is love. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. In other words, spread the love around. Invite everyone to be friends with me as well. 
do whatever it takes to share my love, even if it means laying down your life to make it happen. He says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So yes, missions and service, they require sacrifice. For many, even costs them their very lives. But again, they do it because of friendship, not because of duty. Well, I'm so grateful for the incredible family heritage that I come from, with both parents and grandparents who modeled for me this kind of friendship with God, and how that friendship with God can make such a profound impact on the way that we serve our families and other people. And as I was praying about what to share with you today, I sense that perhaps some of their stories might be the best way to illustrate what it could look like to live out our identity as friends of God. I'll never forget the first time I was introduced uh, to the youth pastor at my grandpa's church. I was there for a Bible quizzing event and someone said, hey, this is Isaac Peter's grandson. The pastor turned around, gave me this amazed look and said, our whole staff room goes into a panic whenever your grandfather gets the sniffles. In other words, we can't afford to lose him. He is such a man of prayer. Years earlier, that church had gone through an extremely painful crisis that saw probably about 75% of their 2,000 people leave because they didn't like some things that the pastor was doing, and including many of my grandpa's friends from an older generation. I remember my grandpa saying, I wanted to leave too. You know, he wasn't particularly pleased with the direction the pastor was taking them either, but he stayed behind to pray and support that pastor. And now years later, that pastor is still there and the church is thriving again. I remember my dad saying that as a kid, he always hoped he wouldn't wake up to have to go pee in the middle of the night because his dad was often in the bathroom praying and he'd have to wait till he was done. He only had one bathroom. Grandpa was also famous in this large church he attended for his loud cries of affirmation from the back during a, a good sermon. You know, this huge auditorium and you hear this resounding, Amen! His favorite phrase was, right foot glory, left foot hallelujah. His life was simply consumed with the glorious presence of Jesus. One of my most significant memories of Grandpa was when I had the incredible privilege of attending a course with him called the College of Prayer, together with my brother and my dad, three generations seeking the Lord together. He was about 85 at the time. Again, famous for his life of prayer, for his intimacy with Jesus. And yet I'll never forget, during one of the corporate prayer times, he cried out publicly in tears and said, Oh God, forgive me. I still have so much to grow. I was stunned. And I thought, if Grandpa still has so much to grow, oh my goodness, I will always have so much room to grow as well. But to me, it, it just illustrates so clearly what it means to be a friend of God. It's not religious duty. 
It's like our Alliance Vision Prayer. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. We just love you so much. And we don't want anything, absolutely anything, to keep us from the joy of walking completely with you. So you can have all this world, but give me my friend, Jesus. That was my grandpa, a true friend of God. My son, Micah, has been studying the story of Moses, memorizing some of the Psalms of David. And his conclusion to me one day was, you know, Dad, Moses and David were such good friends of God. And we agreed together that we want the same to be true of us. My mom was also a true friend of Jesus. About eight years ago, she modeled for us something else that we see in John chapter 15, verse 15. Notice the whole verse. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Notice that the primary difference Jesus highlights between being a servant or being a friend is that a servant does not know his master's business, but a friend gets to know everything he learned from the Father. This is the astonishing thing about friendship with Jesus. He shares his secrets with us. He reveals to us the deep things of God. Everything he has learned from his Father, he has made known to us. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Who has known the mind of the Lord that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Jesus calls us his friends because he has revealed to us his Father's business. He has given us his very mind to know what's on the Father's heart. Well, my mom showed me a real-life example of what that looks like. One day she was praying about her church's new building program and asking Jesus how, how much she could give to help out. My dad had already passed away. She was a widow. Uh, she was struggling with some health issues that limited her working capabilities. And uh, she was living mostly on a fixed retirement income at just 59 years of age. So not a whole lot of dispensable or disposable income. But she wanted to help out. So she was asking Jesus what she could give. Because Jesus was her friend, he told her what was on the Father's heart. You know what he said? He said, I want you to sell your house and give all the money to the church. Uh, seriously? Yeah, that's what she heard. So she asked us kids what we thought of the idea. <laughs> Never forget her asking me, you know, Curtis, do you think it would be a good financial decision? I mean, you know, I wouldn't have to pay my property taxes anymore, any utilities. I mean, you know, maybe I could save some money. I assured her that the financial savings would not make this decision worthwhile. But all of us kids did stand behind her and bless her to do whatever she felt Jesus was asking her to do. So she sold her house almost exactly eight years ago. It lasted four hours on the market. You know, it was a bit of a test. Well, if God wants me to sell it, he'll let it sell. Four hours on the market and it sold. 
my wife and I were scheduled to come home from Cuba on our home assignment a couple months later. And the plan was that she would live in our basement suite for the year and then see how Jesus led after that. It turns out that basement suite we had planned never materialized. We actually ended up in a basement suite ourselves, so we didn't know what was going to happen to Mom. July 31st came around, her last day in the house. We all got together, packed up her belongings into a storage container, and she walked away, literally not knowing where she would go next. A week later, she was scheduled to drive out to BC for her mom's 100th birthday party. But partway there, she got sick, ended up in Calgary in the hospital. Two weeks later, she got the new house that she needed. It just happened to be in heaven. I was able to talk with her the day before she died. She was on an oxygen tank because she had congestive heart failure and the liquid buildup in her lungs was making it hard to breathe. And the doctor had told her, you know, if you want to inhale the oxygen from the tank, you really need to breathe deeply. But the temptation was to breathe these short, shallow breaths. And so she said, Curtis, you know, I discovered that if I give, if I, if I give thanks for something with each breath, it makes it easier to breathe deeply. So it helps me to relax and, and give thanks. And so that night, uh, every difficult breath that she had all the way through the night till about five o'clock in the morning when she finally fell asleep, she gave thanks with each breath. At one point, you know, she said to me, Curtis, I didn't know what else to thank God for. But then I thought, oh, I, I can repeat. <laughs> so she just kept giving thanks throughout the night. And about 24 hours later, she died. Actually, she finally started really living. She saw Jesus' smiling face, and I'm sure went running with her newly renovated body into his loving arms. That's friendship with Jesus. It's who we are. It's our identity, our destiny, the deepest longing of our hearts. And God's longing for us is that we would have that kind of friendship with him. You know, one day we'll all experience the joy my mom experienced that day when she stopped breathing. But we don't have to wait until then to hear his voice to us, to experience the joy of worship and praise, even in hard times like COVID-19. With every breath, we can give thanks to our incredible friend, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who demonstrates for us the immense, immeasurable love of the Father for us. Everything that, we, that Jesus learned from his Father, he wants to make known to us if we will trust him enough to listen. Even when he asks us to sell our house, <laughs> give everything away, because he knows that we won't need it anymore. Friends, that's the kind of friendship I want to have with Jesus. And it is my invitation to you to live out that identity as well. Let me pray for you. Jesus, you really are incredible. And uh, it is just absolutely mind-boggling that you would choose to be friends with us. That you would choose to quarantine yourself to a human body. To allow yourself to be quarantined to a rugged cross. 
experience immeasurable pain because you wanted us to be your brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of your incredible Father. We are amazed at your love and we are amazed at your invitation to intimacy, the kind of intimacy that hears everything that's on the Father's heart, that we can listen to you and you will speak to us. You'll speak through the Bible. You'll speak through dreams and visions. You'll speak through one another. You'll speak to us in a still, quiet voice in our hearts. If we will listen, you want to speak. And I think one of the things you will most often say is that we are your beloved friends. You delight in us. You treasure having us part of your family. And you are calling us deeper and deeper into the, the abundant riches of glorious friendship with you and intimacy with the Father as his sons and daughters. So Jesus, we worship you today. And I just bless my friends, uh, my brothers and sisters at Ritson Road. And you know the, the struggles that they're facing. You know the challenges. You know the difficulties. You know the uncertainty. You know, the desire uh, to be with friends, to be with the body together. I pray that in these days, when everything else has been taken away, oh God, that they would come to you and they would find you so sufficient for every need, for every longing of their hearts, that the friendship they long for with others, that they would find in you. And they would find it to be more amazing and rich than anything they have ever experienced before. And bless them in your name. And together we bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Heavenly Father. We bless you, Holy Spirit. We celebrate you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Triune God, who has done so much for us, who has made us to be part of your family. We humbly and gratefully receive that gift of sonship, of being daughters of the King. And we delight in your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray.